chapter forty four part four of supplements to the fourth book from the world as will and idea volume three by arthur schopenhauer translated by r b haldane and j kemp this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by expatriate in bangor maine chapter forty four the metaphysics of the love of the sexes part four in this regard a passage in the romance of guzman de afarache by matteo aleman which has been famous for two hundred fifty years is remarkable no es necesario para que uno ame que pase distancia de tiempo que siga discurso ni haga elección sino que con aquella primera y sola vista concurran juntamente cierta correspondencia o consonancia o lo que acá solemos vulgarmente decir una confrontación de sangre a que por particular influxo suelen mover las estrellas that is for one to love it is not necessary that much time should pass that he should set about reflecting and make a choice but only that at that first and only glance a certain correspondence and consonance should be encountered on both sides or that which in common life we are wont to call a sympathy of the blood and to which a special influence of the stars generally impels accordingly the loss of the loved one through a rival or through death is also for the passionate lover a pain that surpasses all others just because it is of a transcendental kind since it affects him not merely as an individual but attacks him in his essentia aeterna in the life of the species into whose special will and service he was here called hence jealousy is such torment and so grim and the surrender of the loved one is the greatest of all sacrifices a hero is ashamed of all lamentations except the lamentation of love because in this it is not he but the species that laments in calderon's zenobia the great there is in the first act a scene between zenobia and decius in which the latter says cielos luego tu me quieres perdiera cien mil victorias volvierame etc heaven that is heaven then thou lovest me for this i would lose a thousand victories would turn about etc here honour which hitherto outweighed every interest is beaten out of the field as soon as sexual love that is the interest of the species comes into play and sees before it a decided advantage for this is infinitely superior to every interest of mere individuals however important it may be therefore to this alone honour duty and fidelity yield after they have withstood every other temptation including the threat of death in the same way we find in private life that conscientiousness is in no point so rare as in this it is here sometimes set aside even by persons who are otherwise honest and just and adultery is recklessly committed when passionate love that is the interest of the species has mastered them it even seems as if in this they believe themselves to be conscious of a higher right than the interests of individuals can ever confer just because they act in the interest of the species in this reference chamfort's remark is worth noting quand un homme est une femme en l'une pour l'autre 
une passion violente il m'est semble toujours que quelques soyons les obstacles qui les sépareront un mari deux parents etc les deux amants sont l'un à l'autre de par la nature qui s'appartient de droit de vin magre les lois et les conventions humaines whoever is inclined to be incensed at this should be referred to the remarkable indulgence which the saviour shows in the gospel to the woman taken in adultery and that he also assumes the same guilt in the case of all present from this point of view the greater part of the decameron appears as mere mocking and jeering of the genius of the species at the rights and interests of individuals which it tramples under foot differences of rank and all similar circumstances when they oppose the union of passionate lovers are set aside with the same ease and treated as nothing by the genius of the species which pursuing its ends that concern innumerable generations blows off as spray such human laws and scruples from the same deep-lying grounds when the ends of passionate love are concerned every danger is willingly encountered and those who are otherwise timorous here become courageous in plays and novels also we see with ready sympathy the young persons who are fighting the battle of their love that is the interest of the species gain the victory over their elders who are thinking only of the welfare of the individuals for the efforts of the lovers appear to us as much more important sublime and therefore right than anything that can be opposed to them as the species is more important than the individual accordingly the fundamental theme of almost all comedies is the appearance of the genius of the species with its aims which are opposed to the personal interest of the individuals presented and therefore threaten to undermine their happiness as a rule it attains its end which as in accordance with poetical justice satisfies the spectator because he feels that the aims of the species are much to be preferred to those of the individual therefore at the conclusion he leaves the victorious lovers quite confidently because he shares with them the illusion that they have founded their own happiness while they have rather sacrificed it to the choice of the species against the will and foresight of their elders it has been attempted in single abnormal comedies to reverse the matter and bring about the happiness of the individuals at the cost of the aims of the species but then the spectator feels the pain which the genius of the species suffers and is not consoled by the advantages which are thereby assured to the individuals as examples of this two very well-known little pieces occur to me la reine de Anne and la mariage de raison in tragedies containing love affairs since the aims of the species are frustrated the lovers who were its tools generally perish also for example in romeo and juliet tancred don carlos wallenstein the bride of messina and many others the love of a man often affords comical and sometimes also tragical phenomena taken possession of by the spirit of the species he is now ruled by this and no longer belongs to himself his conduct thereby becomes unsuited to the individual that which in the higher grades of love imparts such a tinge of poetry and sublimeness to his thoughts which gives them even a transcendental and hyperphysical tendency on account of which he seems to lose sight altogether of his real very physical aim is at bottom this that he is now inspired by the spirit of the species 
whose affairs are infinitely more important than all those which concern mere individuals in order to find under the special directions of the spirit the whole existence of an indefinitely long posterity with this individual and exactly determined nature which he can receive only from him as father and the woman he loves as mother and which otherwise could never as such attain to existence while the objectification of the will to live expressly demands this existence it is the feeling that he is acting in affairs of such transcendent importance which raises the lover so high above everything earthly nay even above himself and gives such a hyperphysical clothing to his very physical desires that love becomes a poetical episode even in the life of the most prosaic man in which last case the matter sometimes assumes a comical aspect that mandate of the will which objectifies itself in the species exhibits itself in the consciousness of the lover under the mask of an anticipation of an infinite blessedness which is to be found for him in the union with this female individual now in the highest grades of love this chimera becomes so radiant that if it cannot be attained life itself loses all charm and now appears so joyless hollow and insupportable that the disgust at it even overcomes the fear of death so that it is then sometimes voluntarily cut short the will of such a man has been caught in the vortex of the will of the species or this has obtained such a great predominance over the individual will that if such a man cannot be effective in the first capacity he disdains to be so in the last the individual is here too weak a vessel to be capable of enduring the infinite longing of the will of the species concentrated upon a definite object in this case therefore the issue is suicide sometimes the double suicide of the two lovers unless to save life nature allows madness to intervene which then covers with its veil the consciousness of that hopeless state no year passes without proving the reality of what has been expounded by several cases of all these kinds not only however has the unsatisfied passion of love sometimes a tragic issue but the satisfied passion also leads oftener to unhappiness than to happiness for its demands often conflict so much with the personal welfare of him who is concerned that they undermine it because they are incompatible with his other circumstances and disturb the plan of life built upon them nay not only with external circumstances is love often in contradiction but even with the lover's own individuality for it flings itself upon persons who apart from the sexual relation would be hateful contemptible and even abhorrent to the lover but so much more powerful is the will of the species than that of the individual that the lover shuts his eyes to all those qualities which are repellent to him overlooks all ignores all and binds himself forever to the object of his passion so entirely is he blinded by that illusion which vanishes as soon as the will of the species is satisfied and leaves behind a detested companion for life only from this can it be explained that we often see very reasonable and excellent men bound to termagants and she-devils and cannot conceive how they could have made such a choice on this account the ancients represented love as blind indeed a lover may even know distinctly and feel bitterly the faults of temperament and character of his bride which promise him a miserable life and yet not be frightened away i ask not i care not if guilt's in thy heart i know that i love thee whatever thou art for ultimately he seeks not his own things but those of a third person who has yet to come into being 
although he is involved in the illusion that what he seeks is his own affair but it is just this not seeking of one's own things which is everywhere the stamp of greatness that gives to passionate love also a touch of sublimity and makes it a worthy subject of poetry finally sexual love is compatible even with the extremest hatred towards its object therefore plato has compared it to the love of the wolf for the sheep this case appears when a passionate lover in spite of all efforts and entreaties cannot obtain a favourable hearing on any condition i love her and hate her shakespeare cymbeline three five the hatred of the loved one which then is kindled sometimes goes so far that the lover murders her and then himself one or two examples of this generally happen every year they will be found in the newspapers therefore goethe's lines are quite correct by all despised love by hellish element would that i knew a worse that i might swear by it is really no hyperbole if a lover describes the coldness of his beloved and the delight of her vanity which feeds on his sufferings as cruelty for he is under the influence of an impulse which akin to the instinct of insects compels him in spite of all grounds of reason to pursue his end unconditionally and to undervalue everything else he cannot give it up not one but many a petrarch has there been who was compelled to drag through life the unsatisfied ardour of love like a fetter an iron weight at his foot and breathe his sighs in lonely woods but only in the one petrarch dwelt also the gift of poetry so that goethe's beautiful lines hold good of him and when in misery the man was dumb a god gave me the power to tell my sorrow in fact the genius of the species wages war throughout with the guardian geniuses of individuals is their pursuer and enemy always ready relentlessly to destroy personal happiness in order to carry out its ends nay the welfare of whole nations has sometimes been sacrificed to its humours an example of this is given us by shakespeare in henry the sixth part three act three scenes two and three all this depends upon the fact that the species as that in which the root of our being lies has a closer and earlier right to us than the individual hence its affairs take precedence from the feeling of this the ancients personified the genius of the species in cupid a malevolent cruel and therefore ill-reputed god in spite of his childish appearance a capricious despotic demon but yet lord of gods and men zudo theon tyranne canthropon eros that is tu deorum hominumque tyranne amor a deadly shot blindness and wings are his attributes the latter signify inconstancy and this appears as a rule only with the disillusion which is the consequence of satisfaction because the passion depended upon an illusion which represented that which has only value for the species as valuable for the individual the deception must vanish after the attainment of the end of the species the spirit of the species which took possession of the individual sets it free again forsaken by this spirit the individual falls back into its original limitation and narrowness and sees with wonder that after such a high heroic and infinite effort nothing has resulted for its pleasure but what every sexual gratification affords contrary to expectation it finds itself no happier than before it observes that it has been the dupe of the will of the species therefore as a rule a theseus who has been made happy will forsake his ariadne 
if petrarch's passion had been satisfied his song would have been silenced from that time forth like that of the bird as soon as the eggs are laid here let me remark in passing that however much my metaphysics of love will displease the very persons who are entangled in this passion yet if rational considerations in general could avail anything against it the fundamental truth disclosed by me would necessarily fit one more than anything else to subdue it but the saying of the old comedian will no doubt remain true quaeres in se neque concilium neque modum habet ulum eam concilio regere non potes marriages from love are made in the interests of the species not of the individuals certainly the persons concerned imagine they are advancing their own happiness but their real end is one which is foreign to themselves for it lies in the production of an individual which is only possible through them brought together by this aim they ought henceforth to try to get on together as well as possible but very often the pair brought together by that instinctive illusion which is the essence of passionate love will in other respects be of very different natures this comes to light when the illusion vanishes as it necessarily must accordingly love marriages as a rule turn out unhappy for through them the coming generation is cared for at the expense of the present quien se casa por amores ha de vivir con dolores who marries from love must live in sorrow says the spanish proverb the opposite is the case with marriages contracted for purposes of convenience generally in accordance with the choice of the parents the considerations prevailing here of whatever kind they may be are at least real and cannot vanish of themselves through them however the happiness of the present generation is certainly cared for to the disadvantage of the coming generation and notwithstanding this it remains problematical the man who in his marriage looks to money more than to the satisfaction of his inclination lives more in the individual than in the species which is directly opposed to the truth hence it appears unnatural and excites a certain contempt a girl who against the advice of her parents rejects the offer of a rich and not yet old man in order setting aside all considerations of convenience to choose according to her instinctive inclination alone sacrifices her individual welfare to the species but just on this account one cannot withhold from her a certain approbation for she has preferred what is of most importance and has acted in the spirit of nature that is more exactly of the species while the parents advised in the spirit of individual egoism in accordance with all this it appears as if in making a marriage either the individual or the interests of the species must come off a loser and this is generally the case for that convenience and passionate love should go hand in hand is the rarest of lucky accidents the physical moral or intellectual deficiency of the nature of most men may to some extent have its ground in the fact that marriages are ordinarily entered into not from pure choice and inclination but from all kinds of external considerations and on account of accidental circumstances if however besides convenience inclination is also to a certain extent regarded this is as it were an agreement with the genius of the species happy marriages are well known to be rare just because it lies in the nature of marriage that its chief end is not the present but the coming generation however let me add for the consolation of tender loving natures that sometimes passionate sexual love associates itself with a feeling of an entirely different origin real friendship based upon agreement of disposition 
which yet for the most part only appears when sexual love proper is extinguished in its satisfaction this friendship will then generally spring from the fact that the supplementing and corresponding physical moral and intellectual qualities of the two individuals from which sexual love arose with reference to the child to be produced are with reference also to the individuals themselves related to each other in a supplementary manner as opposite qualities of temperament and mental gifts and thereby form the basis of a harmony of disposition the whole metaphysics of love here dealt with stands in close connection with my metaphysics in general and the light which it throws upon this may be summed up as follows we have seen that the careful selection for the satisfaction of the sexual impulse a selection which rises through innumerable degrees up to that of passionate love depends upon the highly serious interest which man takes in the special personal constitution of the next generation now this exceedingly remarkable interest confirms two truths which have been set forth in the preceding chapters one the indestructibility of the true nature of man which lives on in that coming generation for that interest which is so lively and eager and does not spring from reflection and intention but from the inmost characteristics and tendencies of our nature could not be so indelibly present and exercise such great power over man if he were absolutely perishable and were merely followed in time by a race actually and entirely different from him two that his true nature lies more in the species than in the individual for that interest in the special nature of the species which is the root of all love from the passing inclination to the serious passion is for every one really the highest concern the success or failure of which touches him most sensibly therefore it is called par excellence the affair of the heart moreover when this interest has expressed itself strongly and decidedly everything which merely concerns one's own person is postponed and necessarily sacrificed to it through this then man shows that the species lies closer to him than the individual and he lives more immediately in the former than in the latter why does the lover hang with complete abandonment on the eyes of his chosen one and is ready to make every sacrifice for her because it is his immortal part that longs after her while it is only his mortal part that desires everything else that vehement or intense longing directed to a particular woman is accordingly an immediate pledge of the indestructibility of the kernel of our being and of its continued existence in the species but to regard this continued existence as something trifling and insufficient is an error which arises from the fact that under the conception of the continued life of the species one thinks nothing more than the future existence of beings similar to us but in no regard identical with us and this again because starting from knowledge directed towards without one takes into consideration only the external forms of the species as we apprehend it in perception and not its inner nature but it is just this inner nature which lies at the foundation of our own consciousness as its kernel and hence indeed is more immediate than this itself and as thing in itself free from the principium individuationis is really the same and identical in all individuals whether they exist together or after each other now this is the will to live thus just that which desires life and continuance so vehemently this accordingly is spared and unaffected by death it can attain to no better state than its present one and consequently for it with life the constant suffering and striving of the individuals is certain to free it from this is reserved for the denial of the will to live 
as the means by which the individual will breaks away from the stem of the species and surrenders that existence in it we lack conceptions for that which it now is indeed all data for such conceptions are wanting we can only describe it as that which is free to be will to live or not buddhism denotes the latter case by the word nirvana the etymology of which was given in the note at the end of chapter forty one it is the point which remains forever unattainable to all human knowledge just as such if now from the standpoint of this last consideration we contemplate the turmoil of life we behold all occupied with its want and misery straining all their powers to satisfy its infinite needs and to ward off its multifarious sorrows yet without daring to hope anything else than simply the preservation of this tormented existence for a short span of time in between however in the midst of the tumult we see the glances of two lovers meet longingly yet why so secretly fearfully and stealthily because these lovers are the traitors who seek to perpetuate the whole want and drudgery which would otherwise speedily reach an end this they wish to frustrate as others like them have frustrated it before this consideration already passes over into the subject of the following chapter End of chapter 44. Recording by Expatriate in Bangor, Maine.